0: you're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas, find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com.
1: Thanks, Mike. Good, uh, good prayer. It's one of the highlights of the service. A lot of times is having people just offer up a heartfelt prayer to God. Concerning our offering and concerning uh, God's purpose for us So if you're a visitor with us this morning, we're glad that you're here um, I think uh, we're going to um, do our guests before we send the kids to children's ministry um, If that's okay, is that all right? Okay, so we have, um, we have a couple of guys from uh, the Mentoring Alliance uh, that's with us today And we also have some members of our congregation who are serving uh, as uh, mentors in the Mentoring Alliance and um, we're just really excited to have them here today. They're going to come and just make a brief presentation to you about the work that they do and how we can get involved in it. So let's give them a good welcome as they come this morning. You're up. Yeah. Is it just you? <laughs> That's good. Uh, let's see. No, let's do you Use a mic. it'll take him a second. All
0: right, how's this? No? Good. good. Perfect. Thank you. My name is Jacob Boaz. I work at Gospel Village, Ministry of the Mentoring Alliance. Um, not far from here, just down OJ until you hit Broadway. It's our new building. Come by and see it. We're very blessed to have it. Is anyone familiar with the Mentoring Alliance or with Gospel Village? Excellent. That's good to know. Does anyone have either a mentor or do they mentor through us? We've got a couple a couple in the back as well. Excellent. So what we do is, at Gospel Builder specifically, we take kids from single parent or extended family households, and we match them with people like you, people who love the Lord and love kids and want to make a difference. We know that the Bible calls us to make disciples, to love the orphan and the widow in their distress, to um, seek the good of our city, and we want to be an avenue for you to do that. And so if you look at your life, you're like, you know, I don't know how I'm fulfilling the Great Commission or how I'm making disciples or to who that I'm going, and you want to have a new way and have some help and some support and some guidance in doing that, that's why we exist. We help you make safe and accessible relationships with kids who really often benefit from getting to know you. And uh, a secret for you is that you benefit from knowing them as well. We call it mutual transformation. You get to know this kid, you pour out your life, you love them invest in them and the lord blesses you in return as he shows you more of who he is in them and in yourself so if you have any questions you want to know about that we have uh training sessions just informational things every first tuesday um and we'll also be in the back of the table there i think there's a video at some point point. Yeah. and so anyway come and see us thank you guys so much for having us here
1: whenever you're ready just tell him to queue it up and then oh yeah show it. have that it and comment on it if you want to
2: About it for a little bit and just asking God to guide me into letting me know if this is where He wanted me to be. I remember I was volunteering at uh, the ministry called Jesus Closet, and uh, I was with a little girl helping her out pick out clothes and stuff like that. And she came up to me and she's like, I wish you were my mentor um and to me i was just like oh wow like how do you know about that and i just started talking to her about that um you know unfortunately like god obviously had someone else in mind for me but having her tell me that was just i think a switch in me just went on and just like i need to become a mentor as a christian i feel like it is important for us to be able to mentor someone and teach them in the right path just being the hands and feet of Jesus and just being able like, to love on other people that are, we don't know. I remember when I met her, she was with her grandma and she was very shy. Like she didn't want to come up to me or anything like that. And I just, you know, we started talking a little bit about like, um, you know, the questions that we have to ask them. And I remember she said she wanted to be a vet when she grew up and I was like, oh, I love, you know, dogs and stuff like that. So right off the bat, we kind of like, had that in common, like we, we both like liked dogs a lot and um, just and just different things we enjoyed um, as the same.
0: My name is Eurydia Carreño-Marie and I am nine years old. I like to go eat pizza with my mentor.
2: When I first picked her up, like she was very shy, she didn't wanna to talk to me and um, I took her to vacation Bible school. And that was our first outing. And at first I thought, well, maybe why would I do that? She's gonna get along with other people and not me. But it was very good just to see how God was working in her life.
0: My mentor has high expectations. She wants me to be a listener and be respectful.
2: When I go out with UDVIA, it's usually on Saturday mornings is usually when I try to make my time. We usually go out for breakfast and we talk about like what happened in the week or We also uh, before we before we eat obviously we we pray but I also ask her like What are some of your prayer requests? We both try to pray over you know what she's wanting to pray over and then the next time we see each other, we talk about it. We talk about the praise report, like, you know, how God has answered that prayer. We do play a song in the in the car and we usually just jam out to that song and it's just reckless love. I believe that that's what helps her get closer to God and it's a reminder to her that no matter the situation, like God's gonna wrap you in his arms and he's gonna leave the 99 just to come and find you. Abby has told me
0: that God is my Father in Christ.
2: So what I really like about Gospel Village is just the fact that they encourage us to teach them about God, but not only just about God, but just everyday life, but just how we can just put Christ in our everyday life and um, anything that we go through, God will be in the center of it and just teaching them that Christ alone is just our, our strength. I didn't expect for her to make a difference in my life as well. You know, I thought of it as in like, I'm only gonna make a difference in her life. I'm only gonna help her spiritual life and stuff, but it's been mutual. It's been, she's helped me and I've helped her. I wanna be able to see her graduate. Um, Even if it's fifth grade or high school, I wanna be able to be there through every step of her life. Um, Even encourage her to like, for her to go to school. I know she wants to be a vet when she grows up, so just encourage her, like, you know, you can become a vet, and you can't become what your dreams are.
0: I love this video. I love Abigail and Euridia's relationship. It's so consistent. One thing I want you to know is that Abigail is wonderful, but she's not perfect. Um, the only thing that makes her special is her love for Jesus and her commitment to this little girl. Okay. She doesn't come in, and she doesn't have a seminary degree. She doesn't live a perfect life. Um, she's involved her family. Her husband, his name is Diego, mentors Heredia's younger brother, whose name is Marcos. they got the whole family involved, something we encourage you to do. If you have kids or you don't have kids or whatever it is, you can still do this. Um, they don't do anything crazy. Saturday morning breakfast, it's the time many of us are free. Um, I mentor a boy, he's sixth grade, he goes in—he goes to Hubbard, and I'll go see him at school about once a week. And I'll have lunch with him. It's a 30-minute period time that I can get in there with him. We can hang out and we can talk about how his week's going, what's going on at home. We can talk about the um, what the Lord's doing in his life, or we do a little Devo sometimes, play some basketball in the courtyard afterwards. Um, every mentorship looks very different. Everyone is able to be molded to fit your needs and theirs. Um, We've just really seen God move in such amazing ways. And so I really want to extend an invitation to you. This is not an expectation. I'm not telling you you have to come and serve with us. I know if you love the Lord, you're doing something already. But if this is something you think you could do, or you have a slight interest, or you feel the Lord tugging at your heart on this at all, please come find us. Let us talk to you about it. That's our only goal. And so, again, thank you all so much.
1: Good job. Thanks, that. man. <laughs> Awkward hug. So, uh, okay, so the kids can go to children's ministry. I guess I need my notes. Hey, how do we do that? I was expecting to be flying without a PowerPoint this morning. Let's give Rob a hand. Or was it Macy? Or was it Cooper? All of you guys. Fantastic. Aren't you glad you didn't have to, you'd have to miss that right there? That's so awesome. So a um, couple of uh, just comments before we move on. Um, what uh, the guys from uh, um, Mentoring Alliance are talking about is an extension and a continuation of, an, of a citywide effort that started with... Um, city serve uh, but our desire and our intention is to continue that on and mentoring was one of the um, things that we um, identified as a need um, in our city and so um, as you're praying just pray for that pray for a continuation pray for that cooperation that we're seeing and that outward looking um um effort that the spirit uh is is leading us into um I went to Walls to Bridges this past week. Uh, and also we've got the prayer thing coming up uh, on, uh, on Thursday of this week. And all of those are a continuation of where God has us. Um, and then, you know, the, um, the uh, outreach to uh, Nicaragua is another part of that. It's like God has given us a lot of opportunities to to reach out. That's, sometimes that's the hardest thing is just finding a spot where you can, you know, really plug in and, and, uh, and give it your best shot. Um, and these are all reasons, this, this is, you can just tell that this is a season that we're in that God is saying, you know, I'm giving you opportunities and I want you to uh, take a step of faith. And so that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. If you're going to uh, walk with the Lord, um, you're going to learn this lesson over and over and over again, that obedience unlocks power. So if you're waiting for the power to be evident to you before you take the step, it doesn't work that way. The way that it works is for God to put it on our hearts or give us a leading, or, or sometimes you, it's just the desire that's in your heart that's in, in alignment with the Spirit. And if you're waiting for all the parts to come together and for it to be a done deal and a, certain, a certainty, it's not going to work that way. Why? Because our relationship with Him is based on faith. It's not based on certainty i'm certain of him i'm not certain of everything that goes along with me following him and sometimes you know we miss the boat sometimes but i'll tell you what god rewards people who are who are in faith believing and walking according to what they uh believe that god is calling them to do you have to you have to believe what you don't see you have to Here's, here's what it's like. It's like, um, you know, when I, I use uh, Waze and I use Google Maps, sometimes I use both of them at the same time. Um, I have Waze set on a woman's voice, so she's, it's a woman giving me directions, you know, all the time, which is good for me um, to be able to hear, you know, uh, somebody that knows more than me, you know, speaking into my life. Um, she's not real. I have to remind myself of that over and over again. But. And it's like she, every now and then she'll make a mistake, and I'm like, you know it's just an electronic voice right there's no person behind it but i use these things to give me directions. so I, when i get in my car anywhere in the world that i am all i have to do is punch the button that says go home and it'll give me directions home so i i already know that there's a there's a way and and when i do that i know what my destination is but i also know what my journey is and that it also often gives you a choice So it says you can go this way or you can go this way. That'll be another 15 minutes. You can go this way. That'll be another half an hour. And depending on what my decision is at the time, I can choose my route. Following the Lord is not like that because it's not about that type of thing. I want to go here. And God says, here's how you get there. Because you remember um, uh, Jesus uh, at the last um, supper, he was telling his disciples, he was saying, you know, I'm going away. Um, and you can't come now, but you will come later. And Thomas said, you know, how can we come if we don't know the way? And you remember what Jesus said? Yeah. See, that's not a riddle. That's not like a non sequitur where he's saying something that doesn't follow what they're saying. It's the absolute truth. Because we know what our destination is. What? What is our destination? Heaven. Right. That's not hard. We're in church. You, you, that, right, you know where. You know what your destination is? It's heaven. If you don't know that that's your destination, then we can talk because I I want you to know for sure that you can know for certain where you're going. Not hopeful, not wishful thinking, not, you know, thinking that when you get there, then they're going to weigh your good and bad qualities and they're going to say whether you get in or not. It's not about that at all. It's about one thing. And that's Jesus Christ, and that's your relationship with him. He said you already know where i'm going and 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 they said how can how can we know where we're going if we don't know the way and he said i am the way because in christ we move toward our destination in christ he is the way the truth and the life the only thing that god is expecting of you is your obedience now that's not works That's the result of a relationship that says if i'm in relationship with my dad and my dad tells me to do something Then I do it That means i'm in relationship with him It's not like i'm earning my relationship with my heavenly father by walking in obedience. I'm demonstrating My relationship with my heavenly father By walking in it. Is everybody with me? So we're going to talk about that a little bit today and I want to use a um, story um, from the book of joshua this, is, this point or this um, principle has been illustrated throughout scriptures, Old and New Testaments. There's so many examples of people taking a step, not knowing the full extent of what that involved, but they knew what they needed to do and they took that step. And when we get to the book of, um, of Joshua, after Moses has taken the people into the, right on the verge of the promised land, And they have this barrier in front of them, it's the Jordan River, and it's in flood stage. So it's out of its banks, it's even bigger than it is, uh, than it normally is. And they come right to the the edge, close to the edge of the Jordan River, and God gives them instructions, and I'm going to read it and then we'll go back and talk about it a little bit. Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 through 17, I've just illustrated, I've just highlighted uh, one part of that uh, in the overhead. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officer went, officers went through the camp, and commanded the people, saying, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. And then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant. And went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel, that they may know that, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, that you shall stand in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out before you all the ites, Canaanites, the Hittites, the the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan." Now, therefore, take 12 men of the tribes of Israel from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So the people set out with their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priest bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, the waters coming down from above stood up and rose up in a heap very far away. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan. What we see here is God doing something, and he tells them why he's doing it. He wants to glorify his name. And the way that he glorifies his name is to bring them to an obstacle that is impassable and help them to pass it, make it possible for them to pass it. That's how God glorifies his name. When Israel came into the promised land, they saw their enemies as giants, and they said, we're as grasshoppers in our own eyes. And God said, that's going to flip. Your enemies will see you as giants, and they will see themselves as grasshoppers. Why? because of your armor because of your weapons because of your horses of war your chariots no because you have a mighty invisible god standing be- behind you that is doing great works that that people will see not you but the god who stands behind you amen um i like to illustrate this by um reminding you of a uh, three stooges um uh, uh episode I don't know if you've ever watched The Three Stooges. They're awesome, classic entertainment. Um, not recommending them. Probably not good for kids to watch them, but um, if you've, it can, can bring you back to your youth. So anyway, so in this episode, there's a lion in this house that The Three Stooges are in, and you've seen this in, in other, um, other settings where there's like this one area where there's like four doors and the person comes in one door and goes out the other door, and comes in another door and goes out the other door, and it's like this is going on all the time. So Mo comes in and then uh, runs out the door, and right behind him, a lion comes in and runs out the door. And then Curly comes in from a different direction and he runs out the door, and this is all going on at one time. And so, um, and, and there's bad guys in the house. So when, when Mo comes in, he's standing in the middle of the room and he sees the bad guys, and the bad guys see him. And right behind Mo comes the lion and just stands behind Mo. And the bad guys are all like, oh, you know, scared to death and all of that. And Mo starts posturing, you know, like, yeah, you're scared of me. You ought to be scared of me, right? The bad guys aren't scared of you. They're scared of the God that stands behind you. That, and the way that God makes it, makes himself known is doing impossible things. That people, when they're looking at you, they know that you couldn't do that. You can't do that. But they know, as Jesus said to the Pharisees, "If what I am doing is from God, then the kingdom of God has come near to you. The kingdom of God has, is, is approaching you. The kingdom of God is offensive in nature. The kingdom of God is advancing. And if what I'm doing, these signs that I'm doing, if, the, if those things are from God, that means that the kingdom of God has come near to you." Now, isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you want to experience in walking with the Lord? I'm telling you what, man. When I came to the Lord, I could say I believed in Jesus Christ, but I had no idea who he was. I just believed that he had existed, and I believed that, you know, he was real. He was not Lord of my life. But I'll tell you what, when I gave my heart to the Lord, he knew that I needed to see supernatural things. It couldn't just be me doing things on my own. It couldn't just be me, you know, existing a code of conduct by my willpower it had to be him empowering me in ways that i knew that i couldn't do it myself i needed to see supernatural a supernatural element to my faith i need to see a spiritual reality to my faith and god was so faithful to do that and the way that he did it was this this step these steps that i'm talking to you about now israel knew their destination what was their destination The promised land. Who promised it? God promised it. Who did he promise it to? Israel. It was explicit. There's no mincing of words here. That's your land. You're going to live in that land. That's the land that I have for you. They knew what their destination is. They just didn't know um, how to get across this impossible barrier. And we're in a similar situation. Our ultimate destination is heaven, as we said, but I'll tell you what, also our ultimate destination is, is to be made into the image of Jesus Christ. Now, that's not a riddle. That's reality. What is my destination? My destination is not in the sweet by and by only. It is that, and it's, that's huge. But it's also in the present, in the, in the now and now. And that is to be changed into the image of Jesus Christ, to be like him, for him to have ownership and rulership in my life. For me to be completely His. And that's a lifelong process. That's working out your own salvation. That's that's being saved. And that's, that's being converted. Your story is unique. It's never happened before. There's elements of it that you can find that are parallels with other people, but your story is unique. It has never happened before. And nobody can chart that for you. Nobody can tell you this is the way that you should go or that you have to go. Nobody can tell you you have to be a mentor. They, they don't want to do that. They don't want anybody that's doing it because they have to. They can present the opportunity. And if it tugs at your heart, and if there's something within you that says, I, I want to do that, I desire to do that, then God says, you got to take some steps. Same thing with, I mean, spending time this afternoon talking about Nicaragua. That's what it's all about. It's, about. it's about opening our hearts up to possibilities. Opening ourselves up to not just the need that's there. When you go on, on a mission uh, trip or on the mission field, there's three major things that happen. One is that you see people in their own element. You see other cultures. You see You taste other food. You s- smell other smells. You see others, the way that they love each other, that you see the, what, the, what they rejoice in. You, you see people that God loves. And you also see the profound effect that happens when they become believers, when they open themselves up and you see this eternal word that's planted in your heart get planted in somebody else's heart. that's so different from you. And you see what happens there. It's an amazing thing to see. The second thing that you see is you see yourself. Because I don't think we know who we are, really, until we put ourselves in unfamiliar surroundings, in, in, in situations that seem impossible. I don't think we know who we are. You're unexplored territory in a lot of ways. And then you get in a situation like that, and you see yourself doing things that you never thought that you would do before. I can't tell you how many people's lives that are not missionaries on the foreign field, but have been profoundly affected mission work by going to a foreign mission whether it's downtown tyler under the bridge or whether it's in togo africa or whether it's in nicaragua how that has been a, a guy that used to be in our church that's gone on to be with the lord now came out of you know he was a great bass player loved the playing the bass you know i mean he was very expressive when he played the bass right offended some people because they thought he was having too much fun up there I guess or something um but uh he went on a uh he went to a, an orphanage uh on the border uh in uh, I think it was in Nuevo Laredo or it might have been Juarez um and he he was there for like two weeks and he came back a changed man I mean he had already been changed profoundly but when he got there he saw something of the need and of the Lord that he'd never seen before, but he also saw something of himself. And unfortunately, young guy too, he passed away before he was able to actually do that, to actually go on the mission field. But I know that God had already unlocked something and had already opened up a part of his heart that he was not aware of to to show him the possibilities of what he could do. And if you haven't been in a situation like that, If you haven't put yourself in that situation, you cannot experience by reading about it. And you can't even experience it by hearing other people's testimonies. You need this. Okay? Are you with me? You need this. I would suggest suggest that you go ahead and get a passport now, just so that won't be a barrier. Because I can tell you that God wants to send us. And isn't he knocking on our door over and over again over the past few months he has been knocking on our door he's been giving us opportunities don't miss these opportunities the third one though first is you'll see people like you've never seen before second is you'll see yourself like you've never seen before and then the third one is you'll see God like you've never seen him before you'll see the power of almighty God you'll see the the um uh, the how precious Uh, The word of God is how reliable it is. It is in our setting. It is very reliable. It is very wise in our setting. But when you put it in the setting of people that are completely different from you, it shines like a diamond. It shines like gold. It is gold. The, The word of God is refined as refiner's gold. It's valuable. It's the most valuable thing that you see. And you won't see that unless you avail yourself of the opportunity to do that. It's not blind faith, but it is believing what you can't see. People accuse us of blind faith. God never expects us to have blind faith. He expects us to walk based on his word, based on uh, the work of his spirit. It may look blind from the outside, you know, no visible, you know, lines there. But on the inside, it's not blind faith. But it is taking a step into something that you don't know, you cannot see. Over and over throughout the Bible, we see the truth illustrated over and over again that the Holy Spirit releases His power when you take a step of faith. When Joshua was faced with an impassable barrier, the floodwaters of the Jordan receded only after the leaders stepped into the rushing current in obedience and faith. At least eight times In the New Testament, we're told to make every effort in our growth toward becoming like Jesus. And in order to do that, you have to let go of the old ways. You have to cast off from the shore. You have to take a step into something that you haven't taken a step into before. You with me? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 says, Everything connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. That's the message uh, translation. I love that. We have to change the way that we act. We have to change the way that we think. Um, Ephesians 4.23 says, let the Spirit change your way of thinking. And then we have to develop the habits of Jesus Christ. And Jesus over and over again demonstrated this. Now, I understand that Jesus was God, but it, it's, it seems apparent that Jesus was not omniscient as a man. Now, he had access to all knowledge because the Spirit could give him insight and wisdom into things, but I don't think he walked around totally aware of everything, anything other than a man would be aware of. I'm not trying to get controversial with you here. All I'm saying is he subjected himself to humanity. He took on human form. And as a man, he became a servant. I think that when he stepped down from glory to become a man... He willingly took off all of that other stuff that was just his natural environment, had always been his natural environment, and he he limited himself, and he subjected himself to the human condition. Having done that, you can see that he's rewarded over and over and over and over and over again by miraculous power. Having, Having emptied himself, God confirmed him by giving him the experience of being able to heal the blind or or the the, the deaf or uh, the lame, of being able to understand people's thoughts when he he didn't have those thoughts. What was the purpose of that? Why was God doing that? He did that for the same reason that he split the Jordan for for the children of Israel, so that he would be glorified. So if you find yourself in a position like that, you're just like between a rock and a hard place and you don't know which way to turn, rejoice. Because you're right in the position where God says, now, it's not going to be about you. It's going to be about me. We went, um, we went repelling when we had, we had a a Boy Scout uh, trip uh, some years ago and uh, Brother Noble uh, led us and we went up to uh, Arkansas, to uh, Albert Pike um, State Park, and we did some rappelling. I had never been rappelling before. Um, I think I've told you guys before, I'm scared to death of heights. It um, wasn't that way when I was a little kid, because I used to love to climb trees, and I was always <coughs> up in the top of the tree. But now I'm always thinking about falling um, and doing something stupid. And uh, so anyway, we go uh, rappelling, and Noble finds that he f- found an 80-foot cliff. Um, for us to repel down. But that wasn't the first experience with repelling that I had. Because Noble also found like a 20 foot cliff for us to sort of practice on. And so when we started repelling, you know, you're, here's, here's the experience of repelling. You stand right at the edge of the precipice and you don't want to go that way. You, you're on solid ground and you got this rope on you. So you're standing on the edge. you got a rope on you. You don't really know what you're dealing with. And there's fear. There's a lot of fear. It's natural. It's good. All fear is not necessarily bad. So you're standing on the edge. And what do you do? You lean into the rope. And when you lean into the rope, when you feel the rope has, is holding you, then it begins to make sense. Then you can take that first step back. And then you can lean on the rope and you can work your way down. That's, that is the critical moment when you feel your weight being supported when you feel that, that that's how you take that step of faith that first step over the edge over the precipice the rest of the story is that there's another technique called the australian uh, form of repelling and uh so i was like you know i was feeling it you know i had been down this 20-foot cliff and it all worked and everything The the normal uh, form of repelling is you lean back and you work your way backwards down. The Australian form, and I think they developed this for um, uh, for SWAT teams and you know for uh, tactical military tactics, is that you go face down. So you have the rope on your back and you see nothing before you except that. And I'm, I'm like, I'm up for it. So I got all strapped on and stepped up to the edge like that. And suddenly, this is when I had little kids, suddenly the Lord just gave me like a picture of what would it be like for Becky to get a phone call that I had been killed. You know, she would be like, "He what? Australian what? (laughs) But we did it. I I trusted Noble and I trusted the rope. Uh, We did it and it was a great, great experience. Trusting the Lord is just like that, man. When you put your weight on the rope, when you put yourself on the line you begin to feel his power and his strength um tim Boone uh, tells the story uh, about when um she is uh th- they're uh, being persecuted their lives are on the line um and uh she's afraid and she comes to her dad and she says you know i'm afraid that if something happens that i will fail and her dad said this to her he said when you go to take a trip on the train when do i give you your ticket And she said, you give me my ticket before I get on the train, just before I get on the train. He said, that's how the grace of God is. So if we're looking at the the future and we're looking at at what's going on, you can't see the grace of God. You can't see the power that God has at at his disposal until you get to that point. It's not visible. As I'm looking forward into my life and I see the the challenges that are before me, I have a tendency to judge by what I know right now. But what I know right now is not the whole story. It's what God knows. It's what God does. It's what God has in mind. And often he doesn't let us in on the secret until we actually step out in obedience. And then he's like, here, now you get this. Now you get this because you have made this choice and you have taken this step. It's important to understand I've got five things here. It's important to understand these things, uh, as you take, um, as you step forth in obedience. The first of the, the first thing is timing. This is something that's important to understand. This is something that you only learn by taking this step of obedience. Okay. First is timing. God's timing is perfect. Say amen with me. God's timing is perfect, right? Our timing is not Now, when you look at God, you're just like, well, he knows the past and the future and the present and all of that. But I'll tell you what, even though he's not constrained by time like we are, he's a perfect, he he has perfect timing, perfect timing. And so often his timing seems slow to us. Sometimes it seems fast. Most of the time it seems slow, but it's perfect timing. When you take a step of obedience, you'll learn that. You remember Jesus, often, oftentimes uh, if you read the Gospels, um, Jesus says something like this, my time has not yet come, or my hour has not yet come. And then when he comes to, to the week before um, he's crucified, crucified, he says, my hour, this is my hour, my hour has come. He knew the timing of God. Do you know the timing of God? I've mentioned it several times before. God has given us, Tyler Christian Fellowship, opportunities that he's put before us. It's obviously his timing. It's obviously his timing. Do you know the timing of the Lord? Do you know the seasons that you're living in? In our um, presbytery service last Sunday night, um, the Lord was speaking to one of our um, one of the, our, our our elders um, that He wanted him to understand timing, and this is something that you learn and that you grow in. But what God was saying is like if you if you just if this was the first time you've ever experienced fall. And you walk outside and you see all the leaves dying and falling off the trees, you think some catastrophe is happening, right? I mean, it's like that's weird, what's going on? Something must be terribly wrong. But it's not terribly wrong, is it? It's the season. If you understand the season, you go outside and you're like, it's fall. Better get a rake. You know? It's not, there's nothing unusual there happening. It looks like death, but it's not death. It's just one of the cycles of life. Further. This is the time when you plant, like tulips and stuff, they're going to come up in the spring. In other places in the country, those tulips come up before the snow is melted, right? You plant in in a time when it looks like everything's dying so that you will have the first breath of life. So you will see the first breath of life when spring comes and when life begins to renew. Timing is one thing that you learn. Another one that you learn is what leads in the kingdom of God. What comes first in the kingdom of God? Okay, Because the kingdom of God, as we've seen before, doesn't work the way ours does. In fact, sometimes it seems upside down. But here's the way that it works in the kingdom of God. Faith leads. Faith leads. Action leads. Faith and action lead. Power follows. Clarity follows sometimes. Sometimes we don't get the clarity. But I I can guarantee you that when faith, faith is what God expects us to use to lead, he wants it to be something that we desire to do and that we want to do, not something that we're compelled to do or forced to do. And he wants it to be something that even as I'm doing it, I'm not trusting my circumstances and I'm not trusting myself. I'm trusting him. He loves that. He loves that. Those are people after his own heart. People that trust him. Not themselves, not their circumstances, not their own abilities. Here's another thing that you have to know or that you learn. I've got these, I'm sorry. Running without my PowerPoint. There's a good picture of rappelling right there. That's not actually me, but that's how I felt when I was doing it. That could be the Albert Pike. That does look like the same cliff right there. But all cliffs look the same, don't they? Walking in obedience teaches us that what leads and what follows. Faith leads, action leads, power follows, clarity follows. Walking in obedience teaches us that God gets all the credit. You have a chance to work side by side with the living God and His glorious Christ, but He's going to rightly get all the credit. He's going to rightly get all the credit. If your heart's in the right place, that's exactly what you want. You want to be able to be that instrument that's on the verge of disaster and God comes through and everybody just says, what a great Savior He is, not what a great person I am. The next is your, to understanding my part and God's part. God does, always does this. This is the principle of God. He always does the hard part but he always gives us a part to do too. Right? You with me on this? Like when I quit smoking cigarettes, God says, if you don't buy another pack of cigarettes, then I will take away the desire to smoke cigarettes. See, that's an easy thing I can do, right? Of course, I, can, I got by for a while by bumming cigarettes off my friends, but that gets old, right? They get to a point where they're just like, oh, here comes Joe again, right? Right? <laughs> But it's true. I didn't buy another pack of cigarettes and I've lost the desire years ago, lost the desire to smoke, have never had a desire. I replaced that desire with the desire to ride a bicycle. Those are not compatible, right? (laughs) They don't work together. That's a key to understanding how you can put your past behind you. You change your lifestyle to where that's not compatible with your lifestyle anymore and that's a big key to being able to, to beat it. All I'm saying is that God does the hard part. But he expects us to do our part, a small part, maybe a token part. I believe that's what tithing is or giving on a regular basis um, to the church, is just saying it all belongs to God and is a way of showing that. We say this every week it's a form of worship. It's not paying a debt anymore, it's not, you know, being generous, it's not generosity, it's worship. And it's saying, God, I'm giving you this to acknowledge that you are all that you are lord of everything that i have everything in my house everything in my car all of my kids my my job all of it belongs to you that's what that is it's just a token that he gives us to do and then he does the hard part our part and god's part Um, i'm reminded of jesus uh after he got done talking to the woman at the well and while the reason why he was alone when he was talking to the woman at the well is his disciples had gone to get lunch and they came back and they saw her just leaving he saw him talking to her and as they approach she leaves and they're like you know we got your we got your lunch you know found a sonic that happened to be open and and jesus is just like they know he hadn't eaten and they know that he was really tired when he sat down at the well he was just maybe he was too exhausted to go with them and and they come back and they see this woman leaving and they say we brought your lunch and you know what jesus (laughs) said this is the way he always dealt with them he said my food is to do the will of god so if you've ever been really hungry if you ever fasted for any period of time or maybe just missed a meal it doesn't take much for us to get hungry right and then you have that first morsel that first taste that's how jesus said it felt to do the, the will of God, the little obediences in your life that bring such pleasure and such joy to the real you, not just to the flesh, but to the real you, to the inner you. That's the food, that's the strength, that's the nourishment that you need to do the will of God, those little obediences that we do. And finally, one thing that you learn by walking in obedience is the impact of your obedience. Oftentimes, this is another thing that's hidden from us, is that we don't understand the full impact of what our obedience means to others and to ourselves. Often, we just think, I'm going to do this thing, and it's going to be this. And when you do that thing, it opens up into a much bigger effect than you ever dreamed of having and that's how god does he he's looking for faithful people and he's and he multiplies the effect of their obedience in the lives of others your wife or husband your kids your friends the people you work with all of them need to see the the uh, the power of god on display in your life and the only way that happens is by you walking in obedience obedience unlocks power Okay, and so let me just close, close with this. And often when I preach, I I tell you guys this, um, you know, sometimes when I'm, when I'm talking, your mind kind of wanders and I encourage you to concentrate and listen, you know, but I also encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit might be prompting your heart in ways that I can never articulate. Sometimes God gives me a word of understanding or knowledge to speak and say, you know, God is speaking this to people, but often that's holy ground that he wants to talk to you. What has God put before you now? Maybe it feels like a challenge. Maybe it feels like a burden. Maybe it feels like a dream. What has God put on your heart? What is God putting before you? And how does that ever happen? If he puts something before you, thank God that he does that. But also thank God that it's not possible a lot of times. Thank God that it's something that is going to require faith to accomplish. Not, you can't just sit down and look at the book and say, yeah, I can, I, I'm well able to do that. There are things like that that God wants us to do, but I want to live a life that's, a life that has dreams and has aspirations beyond where I am. I want to grow. I want to be more. I want to be more like Christ, and the only way to do that is taking these steps of obedience, and the power being unlocked as you take those steps to do that. Let's stand together. We're going to sing uh, a chorus, and uh, I'm here to pray for you. Brother Mike, will you will you be available on this side to pray, and Caleb on this side? To pray? Want maybe somebody to agree with you about it or somebody to speak into it you come and we'll pray okay
3: God glory God is one
1: This is, I believe that it's God. I mean, when you hear the story about how it's happening, I believe that it's God uh, leading them out. But it's, uh, it hurts. Um, I believe that there's, there's good things coming as a result of that. So I'm going to pray for the countrymen um, this morning as they uh, prepare for uh, what God has. For them. Would you guys come and let me pray for you? Thank you. Hallelujah. Do you want to share anything about it? Sure. <laughs> this is, yeah, this, I told him we were going to pray for him. I didn't tell him that he was going to have to, the public speaking part. So, in a couple weeks, uh, we'll be
4: relocating over to uh, the Forney area. Um, I guess it was July 1st, uh, we closed down our business. Charles, you know how that uh, that roller coaster feels, uh, and it kind of came to a position where we just kind of had to decide. All right, we need to uh, go ahead and close the company down, and that means I gotta go get a, a real job, <laughs> you know, for somebody else. And I, I, I was literally put out like a dozen resumes, and every time I did it, I kept going, God, please don't let me get this job, and I send out another one, please don't let them call me, God, I'd send out another one, and literally like going through the motions, you have to have a job, so I kept uh, putting them out, and then I finally said, gosh, what would I want to do if I could do it, and money didn't, you know, matter, but of course money does, and for those of you that don't know us, we, uh, we're kind of dog fanatics, we're um, they're like our children, and we've uh, done a lot of uh, extensive dog training with our dogs for years and years, and um, you know, uh, in passing over the last couple of years, we've always said, well, wouldn't it wouldn't be neat to train. We really gave much thought other than just passing comments here and there on road trips or what have you. So uh, after <laughs> I was praying sending out these resumes, I thought and said, what would I do if it didn't matter what I was doing? I thought I would, I'd work with dogs. So the company that we trained our dogs with in Orlando before we were here was a, is a national franchise. So I called that franchise owner and said, hey, is there a, a good location in this area that you'd recommend maybe I reach out and see if they have an opening? Dallas, I called, They said, we've never had a salesman before, but, you know, uh, if you want to come over and we'll talk, and the next day I started, and then like a month and a half, two months later, uh, that man that was the manager for the last five years uh, told the owner of the location that lives in another state, we need to switch places, I'll become a salesman, Charles needs to take over running the company because he has more experience, and I thought, how did that just happen? And literally two days later we switched places and uh, we've been having a ball and, but it's a five five and a half hour commute every day and it's been uh, kind of wearing me out for the last four plus months so uh, we're we'll be moving uh, about the second week of November but we we really enjoyed the you know the camaraderie the family atmosphere here and appreciate all the friendships that we've uh, we've had but yeah it, it really is. How did it happen? It literally is because I guess I have faith that God just said, hey, it sounds silly, but go do it. And, you know, it's been a blessing. Perfect.
1: Amen. Let's pray. <coughs> Lord, I just thank you um, for uh, this precious family. Uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, just the journey of faith that they've been on in the time that they've been here with us, Lord. It's been um, so um, gratifying to see the hand of God in their life and just the way that you have worked, Lord, in them, and the way that you've ministered to us through them as well, Lord Jesus. Their life experiences, uh, Lord, where they come from and what they're a part of, um, the history of their family and the military, Lord, and so much else um, that has really impacted this uh, church, Lord. And I pray that you would uh, send them out, Lord, send them out from us, um, that you would send them out, Lord Jesus, um, with the confidence of knowing uh, even if they don't know every single step of the way that they know that you're leading and they know that where their destination is to be continually changed into the image of Christ. And I pray for that expression of the body of Christ that they're going to. I don't even think they know where they're going yet uh, in the body of Christ, but I just pray that you would open up a place, Lord, um, plant them, Lord, in, the, in the, uh, a congregation somewhere where there will be even more of a blessing, Lord J- Jesus, there as they have been here, Lord. I thank you for their servant's heart. I thank you for their their faith in Christ. I thank you for their love, Lord, for each other and for other people. And I just pray, Lord, that much fruit would come out of their lives. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that we've had together uh, today, Lord. I pray that you'd seal your word in our heart, Lord. Um, Even if we don't remember this sermon, Lord, that we would remember the lesson and that we would walk in a way that's pleasing to you and that brings great glory to your name. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Be sure and stop by the uh, mentoring uh, table and get more information. And uh, God bless you and you're dismissed.